February 9th, 2022. I'm Avi Kaufman. And I'm Ron Scharf. And this is Accent Insights. Well, listeners, today we have a treat for you. A popular guest, closing attorney extraordinaire, David Jaime, has returned to our podcast. If you're regular listeners of the podcast, you've heard David a couple times before. Comes on to educate our listeners about all things um, legal in the home buying arena. And uh, today we have him in to talk about uh, something specific that lots of people are interested in. And that topic is new construction. A lot of the housing stock in this area is is existing homes, homes that were built 100 plus years ago, and that's just uh, throughout New England. But we're seeing more and more new construction homes, which is a good thing. Uh, but that transaction process often looks different. Uh, and that's what we're here to talk about with David. Uh, David, what have you seen lately um, in terms of new construction? Has there been an uptick? Avi and Ron, thank you so much for having me on again, firstly. And yes... <laughs> You know, in this uh, in this market where um, the there's a constraint on properties coming on the market, uh, surprisingly, I have seen a high uptick of new construction. Um, as a as an aside, I, I was I've gotten 13 new construction uh, deals in within the last three weeks or so, um, which is a, a large amount um, for me personally but really representative of um, where buyers are going in order to get the properties that they want. Um, if there is not enough options on the market, then, and builders have this opportunity to build, they are there to uh, provide the buyers with what they want um, in, in this market. David, can we, let's, let's start at the very beginning, right? When, when our clients go out to look at homes, they're looking at homes, they're, they're existing homes, typically someone has lived in them, sometimes not, sometimes they're, you know, they're new construction, but in the new construction process, as you've seen it, what, at what process in the, in the construction of the building itself are, are people buying? Where are they? Yeah, that's a great question. So it, it ranges widely, uh, and that, that's really dependent on the builder themselves. Uh, does the builder want to get a buyer from the very beginning where ground hasn't even broken yet? Or does the builder not want to give any options to the buyer? They want to be almost finished with the house and then put it on the market to obtain a buyer. And it, it really is a wide range. And I, I get them on at, at any point in the construction. Obviously, the earlier the buyer comes into the process for with a builder, the more options they have anywhere from what type of home is being built to what direction the home is going to face. Obviously, there are uh, limitations on the dependent on the property itself, the land that it's being built on. But as you go forward, those options become less and less. And uh, perhaps at the very end, the only option the buyer might might be getting is uh, what color paint the, the walls are being painted. Now, when, when I talk to builders, they have sort of a love-hate relationship with uh, this concept of selling early versus not selling early in the construction process. The way they've, they've, they've often explained it to me is that they, they like selling it when they first break ground or just off the plans because then it cuts their risk and they, they get the money in the bank. And especially if they're doing multiple units, if they can sell one or two of the units early, it just reduces the risk for them of the project. But on the other hand, selling to someone early, they say it's just 
a pain in the butt because there's endless negotiations with the buyer over even things that weren't agreed to be negotiable, everything becomes negotiable. Do you, do you find that in your experience that that comes up a lot? Uh, yes, all the time. And the difference between a, um, a client of mine who uh, comes to me is ready to go and one that comes to me and really when I bring up, you know, what about specifications? Have you, have you spoken with the builder about those? The biggest difference between them is the quality of their agent, to, to be fair. A new construction buyer who has a, um, an agent who's done new construction before is going to have these conversations about the process, about the um, choices, about uh, things like allowances being how much money the builder is going to put, give the buyer to put towards their options. Those conversations are going to be had very early on. And so when they go to a builder, um, the buyer is ready to go. They, um, they get these, uh, the specification sheet. They go over it together. They go over the plan together. Um, they go over a few rounds um, with the builder. And then they're usually good to go. By the time it gets to me, um, I have a almost final specification sheet that I can include in the final agreement with the builder. And we're set. If a buyer doesn't isn't represented and is buying directly through the um, listing agent, a lot of times they come to me and when I mention the specification sheet, they're of the belief that, well, that's it. That's the specification sheet and that's what they told me I'm getting. And I didn't realize that I could negotiate any of this. And then it, it, then it, it opens up a can of worms or even even without me bringing it up, you know, they'll come and ask me, what kind of options do I have? And, you know, I have to advise them to go back to the builder and tell the builder what they really want their future home to look like. Because the actual specification sheets and plans that are finalized with the purchase agreement is literally what the buyer is purchasing at that moment. So Ron mentioned, um, you know, properties that are on the market right now and, and the differences between that and, and the uh, new build. The biggest difference is that when you're when you're buying a property off market that that's already been built, you know what you're buying. The only thing you're purchasing when you're going into a brand new new construction is a set of specifications and a plan, and that's it. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's it's kind of a daunting um, idea that they're spending upwards of a million dollars or whatever the, the the price tag is on a piece of paper. And there is nothing um, physical in front of them to see. When you when you see these, you know, buying off the plans, David, are you seeing? Do the builders tend to give a sense of what you can get? And you talked about allowances. Um, do do these plans that you're seeing say, look, you know, this is the base, and then if you add X dollars, you can have this kind of uh, countertop or these kind of appliances or that kind of thing, or is it just is it? totally in the ether for people to go to the builder and, and start asking questions and tell them what they want. So both, and, and, and it really depends on the builder. Um, if you have a lot of the, a lot of the um, bigger builders who uh, may build nationally or uh, have many projects happening in Massachusetts, they have their systems set up and there is really no changing their systems. 
a lot of times the agreements are not negotiable. The allowances are not negotiable. The specification sheets are not negotiable. They give you a set of allowances for you to pick. You uh, pick those allowances. If you wish to go over what they've given you, that money is coming out of your pocket and that money is non-refundable, period. But the way the builders look at it is I, I, they're not forcing this buyer to pick something above the allowance and they're not positive that they're going to be able to turn around and sell this property with these upgrades that the buyer has chosen to a new buyer and recoup their funds. Sometimes they'll relent and we can negotiate a, a, a third option, but a lot of times that's it. Now, local builders, ones that are, you know, uh, they tear down a house and they rebuild a, a new property for the for a buyer, they, they tend to be a lot more easygoing with the um, allowances and with the specifications. And they, they really want to try to um, keep the buyer happy because they understand that their reputation with this buyer and for the next buyer is really dependent on them keeping the buyer happy. Um, so the, the, we see, again, there's a wide range and it all depends on what type of builder you're getting. So David, in these agreements, um, you know, we've seen a range of different behaviors where sometimes the builders uh, almost use their position to bully the buyer in a way and say, these are the only possible allowances or there are no allowances or this is the way it was. They also, on the agreement itself, sometimes say, this is the purchase agreement. And uh, you mentioned losing a deposit. Sometimes they'll have very draconian terms around deposits, even if it's the, the builder's fault for late performance. Um, have you been seeing that as like a, a growing trend or, or is that just sort of here and there? Absolutely a growing trend. Um, this market is great for builders because there are a lot of buyers looking. Um, it's also rather nerve wracking for builders because they're sitting there saying, you know, when is the shoe going to drop and, uh, you know, the market's going to shift on us. And they want to make sure that they have the buyer in this agreement and not leaving the agreement. So they want to cut off as many contingencies for the buyer's ability to get out of the contract with their deposit back as possible. And, you know, one of the things that I'm seeing a lot is that builders are requiring the buyer's initial escrow deposit, you know, so and any contract in Massachusetts will, a uh, real estate contract will have an escrow deposit. You, you put an offer in, usually $1,000, you put an escrow to have the opportunity to inspect, to do due diligence, and then you sign a purchase and sale agreement and you put down another, let's say 5% of the purchase price. And that money stays in escrow for the builder to feel comfortable that you are not going to, the buyer is not going to just walk away from the deal. It also is the liquidated damages for the builder or for the, I'm sorry, for the seller, that if the buyer does walk away for no reason, the seller gets that uh, liquidated damages to offset their costs. No problem. Builders today, however, are asking for that money to be released to them, to not be held in escrow and to be used directly for the build. And I've even seen builders um, note the deposit as 
non-refundable period, meaning that the buyer is literally putting, giving the money just to have the opportunity to move forward with this builder. That's that's rare, I have to say. It, it, I've, I've only seen it on uh, on uh, one contract recently and, and one previous, but this is the lengths that, that builders are going to. And it's become a it's become almost a norm for them to ask for the money to be released to the builder up front, and that, that does a couple of things. Um, mainly, it makes the buyer feel more pressured to stay in the deal because they don't have the comfort of that deposit being in an escrow account. It's already being used for the purchase. Secondly, it's kind of nerve wracking for the buyer because if that builder suddenly goes out of business and is bankrupt, it's going to be very difficult for that buyer to get their deposit money back. And again, buyers are nervous to begin with on any on any normal deal, never mind a new construction deal where uh, the builder is asking for, for things like this. And so it really becomes a situation where uh, a new construction build is not for the faint of heart and not for every buyer. Are you saying also somehow these things are written that if the builder defaults, that, that they're still getting to keep the deposit money and the upgrade money? Generally speaking, if the builder defaults, the deposit money is returned to the buyer. It's supposed to be returned to the buyer. Even if it's been released to the builder ahead of time at, at the beginning of the process to use towards the build, there's generally language in there that says that the builder has to account for it if they default or if the buyer uh, terminates the agreement um, for a legitimate reason. For instance, if they're unable to get their mortgage and um, they ask to be uh, let out of the deal uh, within their mortgage contingency period. That's the escrow deposit that we're talking about. The upgrade fees, frankly, most builders clearly denote in the agreements that if you ask for an upgrade, that money is paid out of pocket up front and is non-refundable. Non-refundable even if the builder breaks the agreement. So we go back and forth on that. And this is another reason why it's important to have a to have a good real estate attorney on your side that has done a lot of new construction. There's a lot of back and forth with the builders. Um, generally speaking, I've I've had luck uh, getting that language changed to to so that if the builder breaks the contract, the upgrade funds um, will be returned. But if the buyer needs to break it, even if they're breaking it for a, a legitimate reason, they get the deposit money back, but the upgrade fees will be will be lost. That's been a possibility in the past. But I'll tell you, recently. Builders don't really want to negotiate over that. They, again, they're of the mindset right now that if they have a buyer that doesn't want to do things their way, they have a long wait list of other buyers that are interested and they want a buyer that's just going to go forward, let them build their house uh, with as, as, as few uh, protections for the buyer as possible. Right. So this is all about market power and where it, where it lies right this minute. Um, Correct. Can we can we switch gears a little bit because something else that that tends to concern you know our clients a lot is you know mortgage rates and rate locks you know going back to when you're buying an existing home that's on the market today typically you the buyer has a mortgage rate lock they know what rate it is they they go on their spreadsheet they figure out what their spending power is they make their offer accordingly and we try and make sure the closing is going to happen 
within the window of the rate lock. So there are no surprises in terms of what they're going to wind up pay, paying every month. Um, what happens in a new construction situation when the time for completion is not set or unknown or can slip? Uh, so, yes, this comes up all the time, um, especially now, because as everybody knows, there are supply supply chain issues and um, the builders uh, are not exempt from that. And in fact, uh, they are heavily affected by the supply chain issues, uh, mainly appliances. They are having a lot of difficulty obtaining specific types of tile, specific types of hardwood. Um, thankfully, uh, standard building wood from the builders that I work with, I'm being told that those are more readily available and are not slowing down the process now, but they're still affected by it. So I think, I think in my career, I've only had one builder that has closed exactly on time. (laughs) uh, So anytime you have a closing date, um, from a builder, you want to assume that that closing date is, is going to get pushed out and builders are putting in the purchase agreements that they have the right to push it out anywhere from 30 to 90 days. The, the kicker with it is that it doesn't matter. If you are a buyer that really wants this house and the 90 day, let's say extension period is over, unless at that point you realize that you've made a complete mistake and you really don't want this house and you want your money back and you wanna walk away, you're going to end up giving the builder as long as they need to finish the property. But your loan officer in the background is probably losing her or his mind. Because as rates change, it is not possible for the loan officer to lock in the rate for a new construction unless they are pretty sure that this property is going to be done in the next 30, 60, 90 days. Most lenders lock a rate for about 90 days. There are lenders out there that will do a new construction lock for a longer period of time. I know one that that does it for up to um, up to nine months without a, a higher rate for the buyer, right? Because the longer you lock, the more it affects the the rate. So what builders, what agents, what attorneys will do, they'll advise the buyer to not lock in the rate until after they know that the walls are up, that the electrical, the plumbing has been signed off on, and that it's pretty certain that this property is going to be done in the next 30 days, right? So it helps immensely when the buyer has a good re- good relationship with the builder where they can go to the builder and say, hey, you know, how far out are you? I'm getting nervous. I want to lock in my rate. Do you, th- do you know for sure that you're going to be done in the next 30 days so I can lock it? That's fine. And that works. And that's great. Except when you're in a market like this, where we are getting all types of indications that rates are going to continue to go up. I have a buyer who's, who's, who's purchasing right now who uh, is not going to be able to purchase. Their close date is in uh, middle of 2023. Can you imagine? Um, you know, who knows what's going to hap- happen with rates then? It's, it's, a, it's a really tough situation that the buyers are put in. And the builder has no responsibility 
for the buyer's rate lock, no responsibility. In a normal transaction, if the seller can't close, then and the buyer's rate lock is expiring, we have language and agreements that say that the seller um, uh, will be responsible for a extension of that rate lock if if they need to extend the closing. Fine for for that existing language, home. right exactly for existing homes for new construction that language doesn't exist. The builder would never allow that language into a purchase and sale contract because they know that they're not going to be able to close on time. And so let, let's, let's talk about that scenario. So in that case, a new construction, uh, the rates go up, the buyer can no longer afford it, needs to back out. Um, let's assume that the builder did allow a mortgage contingency in that case, and they don't always, right? So would they get all their deposits back, less any you know, upgrades in most cases? In your example, that would be that would be great. The problem being that the mortgage contingency date for a new construction, normally the majority of time is about 30 to 60 days from the time that they sign the purchase agreement. And the actual build normally takes at least six months. So the builder wants to give an opportunity for the buyer to make sure that they can get a mortgage, but they normally only give them a finite period of time to get that answer and for their mortgage protection to be gone. It does happen that builders are much are easier going depending on the builder. I do have one right now where the uh, mortgage contingency is right up till the beginning of the month that we have set for the closing. So yes, in, in your scenario, um, if we get to that month and uh, they go to lock their rate and rates have gone way up and they can't afford it and they cannot obtain a mortgage and we give them notice, sure, the buyer will be protected. They'll get their deposit money back. But most builders will not allow that. Most builders want that mortgage contingency to expire within 30 to 60 days of them signing the purchase and sale agreement. So, so the mortgage contingency just protects them in terms of um, uh, underwriting the property, uh, you know, the appraisal or, or underwriting the borrower. Uh, for everything except the rate. So if the rate goes up significantly and the buyer was on the edge, they could, and this is a risk that the buyers on the on the edge of qualifying need to consider is that with rates going up, they may not qualify for the mortgage and may lose their deposit and need to find a new apartment to rent in the meantime. Um, Absolutely. That, yeah. So this Are you finding, to- David, do you see any builders offering seller financing, offering the mortgage themselves, or is that not something that's going on right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the larger builders, um, the larger builders do do that. Uh, obviously the terms of those, of those loans, um, are, are not as competitive as a, a buyer would find, uh, elsewhere, but the, the major builders, I, I know two off the top of my head, um, that, uh, I've seen offer that, um, will so they yes, lock the uh, rate? Will they at least give the buyer, knowing that it's not so competitive, but will they at least give the buyer some certainty that, that, they know what they're going to get when they get it. I know that one of them um, builds in the rate right in their upfront um, that says we're going to give you a rate of X amount because it's personal financing. They're not right. they're not really um, affected by where rates are uh, right. na- nationally. And the other one, I, I really I really can't recall. But this is this is far and few between. Um, most most builders don't do that. Frankly, the, the perfect situation for a builder is for a cash buyer to come. And, and so they don't have to deal with, with any of this. Right. 
Right. Well, we, we, we often try to make our buyers look as much like cash buyers as possible, even if they're getting a mortgage. But with, you know, in this situation with such a long tail on, you know, when the property is going to be ready, that just, you know, being pre-underwritten just doesn't help you if you're not an actual cash buyer. Correct. Correct. So in terms of other things that aren't known until uh, it's until much later in the process, it's like with an existing home, you could do a home inspection in the first, say, seven days, and you know a lot, you can do a radon test, and you can get your mortgage lock because you know that the house exists. Um, but so, so for example, to say a radon test, um, you can't do a radon test on a house that's not built. Do you see um, builders allowing radon tests when the home is complete and willing to install re- remediation? Or, or how, do, how do you see most people handling that? So that, that's actually upfront negotiation. Um, and that is, again, why a good uh, real estate agent comes in handy. Um, a lot of times agents will write into the offer, uh, offer to the builder or the reservation. They'll, they'll write in that the buyer has a right to do a uh, radon test before the closing and if it comes back high seller to remediate there are other contingencies that i've seen where the buyer has a right to do a radon test after the closing and if the um, result comes back high the builder has a responsibility to remediate oftentimes uh, to abide by code the builder has to install the uh, radon piping anyways, but is not bound to install the actual uh, remediation system with the fan. Um, so I was going to say the, the the entire system costs something like, I don't know, on average, probably like $1,200. So in a million dollar plus build, <laughs> almost seems like, yeah, you should just put it in the, the fan itself. Once you put the, the, the piping in, the fan itself can't be that expensive. You know, the, the thing is, and it's not, it's, it's not that expensive. I think that with this, and you also mentioned inspections, for example, um, there is language that you can put into the offer ahead of time to say that the buyer has a right to bring a professional inspector in to, um, once the uh, builder obtains the final um, passing occupancy certificate from the, from the town or city. Um, they cannot walk away from the deal at that point. Uh, however, they will be allowed to create a punch list with the builder of items that the inspector found uh, that were not done correctly or um, that were not completed as part of the punch list. The reason why builders have so many, such an issue with inspectors coming in or with the radon, again, it makes them nervous because they don't want the buyer to have any reason to back out of the deal, right? Which is, kind of counterintuitive because if you're if you're a builder who knows who's planning on doing a good job why be nervous about, about a buyer bringing an inspector in or a, or a radon you know granted many builders believe that inspectors want to nitpick to to earn their keep most of the time that's not true and a whatever is found in the property uh, and normally an inspector doesn't find a lot because the the city or town has inspected the build throughout the process prior to providing the occupancy certificate. So there isn't really much left in, in terms of hazard in the in the property. Most of the time, the punch lists are just going to be items that uh, were on the specification sheet in the beginning that were not completed yet. And they're put on a punch list for the builder to complete after closing. 
normally within 30 days um, after closing. But again, these things, though not a big deal, make builders nervous because they don't want, they worry about the situation, this this fantasy situation where a builder, where, where a buyer brings an inspector in and the inspector freaks them out and they suddenly say, you can keep my deposit, I'm walking away from this. Right. I'll just mention uh, on multiple walkthroughs of new construction, <laughs> uh, something that's come up is uh, just the dishwasher wasn't plugged in. And so then it was found to be, uh, uh, oh, hey, the dishwasher's not working. But luckily, it's always a quick fix of, oh, we just forgot to plug it in. <laughs> yeah, there's there's things like that. But then also, I mean, are you typically there's a builder's warranty, right? I mean, so whether you do an inspection for on the walkthrough or afterwards, not for things like radon, but for just the home working as it's supposed to. Your builders are giving written warranties, aren't they? They are normally a one-year limited warranty, um, but it's like I tell my my buyers uh, that 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 piece of paper is only as good as the builder behind it. And if you're working with a builder that doesn't build a lot, you might end up com- coming to a situation where you keep calling and the builder doesn't answer. Right. So I don't I, I tell my buyers to not rely heavily on the warranty. The warranty is definitely there. And most builders um, stand up for the for what they've built. Um, it, I've only really only had very few cases where the builder you, you can reach. Um, but it's always it's always beneficial for them to do their their due diligence um, before the purchase, you know, do make sure that the final walkthrough is as thorough as possible to put any issues into the punch list. Um, if if you have the capability to do bring in a uh, inspector to just uh, give you peace of mind. So David, we live in New England. Sometimes the weather can be an obstacle to certain components being finished on time. Uh, for example, I had, a, I had one uh, last year where we closed in the winter. And so you, there was a, some landscaping that was promised, and, and so it just couldn't be done. I think you, you were um, working for my client, the buyer in this case, and you negotiated for a holdback for the landscaping. Is that uh, is that common? Is that how how these things normally work? What other types of things might uh, holdback be needed for in new construction that we wouldn't expect in say an existing house? Yeah. So as as you can imagine, um, after the conversation we've had so far about um, you know how aggressive. Uh, builders uh, can be the idea that we we tell them ahead of time that by the way, good sir, we're going to hold back money from your proceeds at closing, just so you know. You know that it doesn't it doesn't normally uh, sit well with them. They normally in a, in a purchase and sale agreement will have big bold letters that says seller will not agree to any holdbacks, right? Except that the problem becomes because we're in New England, like you said, and winter causes issues. Things like the driveway, things like landscaping, um, they cannot be finalized uh, if the closing is happening in the winter. And if the buyer is getting financing, the lender will not let us close (laughs) if those things are not done because their appraisal is not complete. So we we come into a situation where either a holdback of one and a half times the value of the, let's say the cost to finish the driveway or the, or the cost of the landscaping is held for the lender or we can't close. So we, what we do is in the, in the beginning, we, we try to reason with the builder to say, look, normally 
we can anticipate that we're going to be closing in the winter. You're not going to be done with your landscaping and with your driveway. The lender requires a one and a half times holdback. Let's put in language that it'll only be for those two items, for example, and let's move on. And most builders will be reasonable because they've done this a lot of times and they know that we're not being crazy. You know, this is a real thing. <laughs> this is this is something required by all uh, lenders and most of the times they abide. What they will not abide to is if we try to put in language that says that there is a holdback period for anything that's not done at the property. Uh, you know, anything on the punch list that's not done. Most builders will have a real tough time with that language and uh, will not will not agree to to that but the actual things that will affect the buyer's financing normally the builders will will work with us on amazing david as always uh, lots of things to think about lots of great information it's always great to have you here on the podcast was there anything else you wanted to add just as a final thought uh new construction is a great opportunity for a lot of buyers and really does uh, present a, a fantastic uh, chance for a buyer to build uh, their, their dream home. And, you know, even, even though the market might be a little bit aggressive right now, this should absolutely not deter any buyers to, to look at new construction. Uh, just please work with an agent that has worked with, that has done new construction before and uh, with an attorney that can protect you. And uh, to our listeners, if you have any questions about anything you've heard uh, today, feel free to reach out to us. We're at info at accentbrookline.com. Thanks. And until next time. Bye.